episode of Teaching and Learning Champions. I'm Matt Evans, Director of Academic Technology in the Teaching and Learning Excellence Division at ACC. Before I introduce a special guest, here's an ad for you. ACC faculty, are you tired of serving as tech gurus for your students? Our new Student Technology Services team is here to help. Students can access support for Blackboard, Microsoft Office, Google Suite, ACC iPads, and more by calling 512-223-INFO. That's 512-223-4636. You can learn more online at austincc.edu slash STS. Today, I'm joined by uh, Lydia Sedebaca cruz uh, as we talk about the importance and rise of equity-minded teaching. Uh, Lydia, thank you very much for joining me today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Um, so let's get right into it. Uh, this is a topic that is um, quite new to me as well. So um, please uh, you know, enlighten me as well as the rest of our audience. What is being an equity-minded instructor? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think, you know, there's a lot of different definitions. I even have, you know, several different definitions of my own. I think that um, for me, um, a lot of my working definitions come from um, research into um, equity-mindedness and equity-minded instruction from um, pe people like Estella Ben-Simon. Um, but also my work with um, the Ascender program that we have at ACC um, and Catch the Next, uh, which is the nonprofit that oversees the Ascender program throughout the state, um, and getting to work with incredible scholars like um, Laura Rendon, who talks about validation theory, um, and getting to see, you know, a lot of the incredible um, equity-minded work that goes into uh, programs like that that are designed to serve, um, you know, historically underserved students. Um, and in addition, you know, my background is in Mexican-American Chicano studies or uh, Latinx studies, um, as it's sometimes known now. Um, and so, you know, I very much, I've, I've always kind of taken an approach um, to, uh, to teaching and to student success that um, kind of values the voice of students and values um, the voice of the community. Um, and since I've started um, getting more and more involved in equity work and thinking about it from the perspective of, from especially from a professional development perspective of um, kind of working with other faculty in how to develop equity mindedness. Um, all of that, um, you know, prior work that I had done in Mexican American studies and with the Puente program and the um, Ascender program, all of those um, experiences um, have really led me to a, a greater understanding of what it means to be an equity-minded instructor. Um, and really to that one of the foundational aspects of um, being an equity-minded instructor is seeing faculty seeing ourselves as agents of change. Um, and that is, you know, kind of having this sense of uh, being empowered to make changes, however small, um, in our teaching, um, in our understanding of students, in our approaches, approaches to curriculum development, um, that recognizing that those small changes can have an impact on narrowing equity gaps. 
Um, and what that means, you know, seeing ourselves as agents of change means, um, you know, not kind of giving over that power to, to say like, oh, well, um, you know, it's, it's the fault of communities or it's the fault of high schools or it's the fault of some other, you know, some other area of the department of the college or, you know, that there's, um, you know, there are all of these things out of my control. And instead, an equity-minded mindset would say, okay, yes, there are all of these things out of my control, but what do, what can I, um, what changes can I make, right? What do I have control over? And so part of that is uh, mindset work, right? Um, and so a lot of that to me comes from really shifting understandings of the communities that we serve, um, the students that we serve, um, from deficit understandings, right? Focusing on the lack um, that students have, which we see even in, in phrases like, uh, you know, not college ready, um, and instead reframing it to, to really kind of interrogate our own um, practices um, and our own spaces, virtual or physical, right? Um, the kind of spaces that we create in our classroom to ask, are our classrooms student ready, right? Are our classroom spaces and are our campuses or our colleges ready for the students who are coming to us? Um, and so shifting um, that understanding uh, from a deficit perspective to an equity-minded perspective um, comes largely from, um, you know, shifting to an asset-based understanding of communities' cultural wealth. Um, this is something that is uh, building on uh, Laura Rendon and validation theory, as well as uh, Tara Yasso um, and her her um, kind of studies and theory on uh, community cultural wealth, and a lot of a lot of folks that have built on that work. Um, but what Tara Yasso says is that you know students bring social capital, uh, linguistic capital, aspirational capital, probably one of their strongest assets. You know the very fact of being in our classrooms. Um, when oftentimes they're they have been faced with um, challenges throughout their education, um, the very fact of, of applying and, and you know, registering for classes and showing up for class really speaks to the aspirational capital that students bring to our spaces. Uh, navigational capital, being able to navigate you know, various bureaucracies, services, and things like that, that even for first-generation college students, the college bureaucracy may be new. Um, but a lot of times if you, you know, if you kind of um, show students the, the many ways that they have navigated various uh, similar systems and structures before, it can kind of help to take some of that burden off. Um, incredible familial capital. Our students bring such strong family ties um, that really strengthen um, the work that they do in their classrooms, if we kind of show them that and show the class that and, and work to build on that in our curriculum. And then also, of course, resistance capital, you know, I mean, and th this is another part of equity mindedness is being race conscious, is being class conscious, and in making ourselves aware of um, the various inequities in our communities, right? Social inequities in our communities locally, but also nationally and even internationally. Um, and, um, you know, acknowledging 
the ways in which historically higher education has marginalized particular groups and particular communities. Um, and many, many of our students, a growing majority of our students uh, come from those communities. And so we have to really ask ourselves, you know, how much, uh, to what extent are our institutions um, you know, from the campus level or the district level, campus level, to, all the way down to the classroom level, to what extent do we continue to perpetuate um, that marginalization, um, you know, in our adherence to tradition? And, um, you know, how overcoming that adherence to tradition is probably the biggest challenge. But I know that we have so many innovative um, people, including innovative students, um, you know, who who form, who are members of, um, of uh, the college, who are members of our classroom spaces, um, and who, you know, at all levels of the college. And so I think that a big part of equity mindedness is really kind of like embracing and affirming um, that innovation, and also being willing to question um, the structures that have allowed us to be successful, um, but that might not necessarily be a pathway, a strong pathway to success for the students that we have. That's a, a great explanation. Um, and certainly um, based on what you're saying, sounds incredibly important for the, the overall success of our students at ACC. Um, in thinking about the, um, uh, sort of the, the history, I guess, if you will, of um, teaching in higher education. Um, this certainly sounds different from what instructors in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, even 2010s uh, have been used to and have been doing. So to introduce something like this that seems very different, can you explain a little bit about why it's important to be an equity-minded instructor? Yeah, that's a great question too. Uh, one of the things that I've learned from Estella Ben-Simon's work is in particular is um, the difference between deficit, which I talked about a little bit already, right? Deficit mindsets, diversity mindsets, and equity mindsets. So deficit mindset sees, you know, gaps, um, in knowledge, lack in knowledge or experience or motivation or things like that, um, or resources. Um, a diversity perspective kind of says like, oh, we need to get um, more diversity into our curricula. We need to um, be more uh, multicultural. And you saw this a lot in the culture wars of the 90s and early 2000s, right? Um, like re, um, revising or rethinking curricula um, and canons, you know, like what, what constitutes uh, disciplines canon um, and things like that and kind of um, inviting more multicultural voices and things like that. What we have seen is that um, diversifying the canon or um, bringing a more uh, cultural responsiveness when cultural responsiveness means simply inviting in students' home cultures into the classroom as a way to mainstream those students, right? Um, instead, and so like the difference between that perspective, that kind of multicultural, like diversifying the curriculum perspective and an equity perspective is that 
diversifying the curriculum kind of says like, oh, okay, we'll bring in students home uh, histories, uh, home languages, home cultures into our curriculum. The end result that we want is still for students to form part of this, you know, kind of single mainstream um, culture, right? Or kind of like understanding of what the what a successful graduate of a particular program uh, looks like and acts like. It's still cultured in many ways, but it's a main. It's part of a mainstream culture, and so it's kind of asking students to trade in their home cultures for this mainstream culture and basically kind of saying like education as you know ad- education as your sick ticket to social mobility means you have to exchange your home culture for this mainstream culture even though we're going to bring in you know the voices of your culture and things like that well an equity mindset kind of flips that on its head an equity mindset basically says why are or interrogates, why are these particular disciplinary skills or these particular disciplinary concepts or these particular disciplinary habits of mind, why are they so important? You know, like why does a graduate of our program need to have these particular skills? Um, and, and then connecting those back to, um, you know, the kind of historical exclusions and marginalizations of other voices. Um, and, 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 you know, communities, uh, home cultures and things like that. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but, you know, I mean, the other, the other piece to it is that like, you know, as this, as this diversity work, right, not, not to the inclusion and equity side yet necessarily, but as this kind of, uh, you know, multicultural movement was emerging, as you're saying in the eighties, nineties, early two thousands, um, you know, it, it, it took hold in a lot of places. And, you know, we saw a rise in culturally responsive teaching and uh, cultural relevance and things like that. Um, you know, uh, rethinking and diversifying canons and disciplines in a lot of really important ways. And at the same time, we still see these very persistent equity gaps that tend to be, you know, among the same students uh, or students from the same communities. Um, and so, um, you know, so the question about, you know, why, why do something different in part is that the, the previous option was a good option, right? It was a great innovation. It was what, it was something that needed to happen, but it didn't really move the needle as far as we thought it would. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, this is a certainly a lot to um, take on to absorb as an instructor, mm-hmm. um, and and quite you know as you've explained quite the the change in mindset. Um, where is ACC as an institution in supporting and and the development of uh, equity minded instruction as a whole? I think that ACC has made has made some great inroads. Honestly, um, you know, I'm really excited about um, the diversity, equity, and inclusion offices' uh, current efforts, uh, getting uh, buy-in from people at all levels of the institution, um, working on equity projects. Uh, you know, Larry Davis has done a great job with that. Kyrie Williams have done an excellent job with that. Um, 
for me, I was really excited to see um, a lot of work in culturally responsive teaching and and kind of uh, getting toward equity mindsets and things like that in the Teaching and Learning Academy that TLED hosts. Um, and I've noticed a lot more offerings uh, lately from uh, TLED in um, kind of um, uh, anti-racist uh, thinking or uh, like discovering discovering your blind spots workshops and things like that. And um, now there's um, an equity fellowship track, uh, which is amazing. I also recently have started offering uh, becoming an equity-minded instructor and serving men of color students um, uh, faculty development workshop, and it's been incredible. So I really hope it's it's every offering so far has just been so eye-opening. Um, it's been we've been able to connect people from across connect faculty from across all different areas of the department and. For me, um, being able to facilitate this has been really um, incredibly transformational. Um, and I know that, you know, feedback that um, we've gotten from some of the participants has been that it's, you know, it's been transformational for them too. So, and um, in, the, in that course, you know, a lot of what we're doing is introducing some of these concepts, introducing some of this terminology about you know, deficit, diversity, and equity, uh, the difference between equity and equality, uh, double loop thinking, which is an organizational learning process that um, invites you to think uh, not about, invites you to think about what you can change instead of what you can't change. Um, and so, you know, uh, we're doing a lot of this work. I think the college is doing, um, uh, is really um, kind of exerting a great effort uh, to ensure that we close equity gaps. Another thing that the college has done that is hugely important um, is to begin to look at the data to see where the equity gaps actually are. Um, and uh, the Office of uh, Diversity, Equity and Inclusion has um, uh, recently released, or excuse me, in, con in uh, concert with, in collaboration with the Office of Institutional Research and Analytics, um, has recently uh, produced, uh, published an equity gaps analysis uh, that's available on the website. It's, I think, imperative reading <laughs> for everybody at the college. Um, and what that, um, what that analysis shows is that we still definitely have some work to do. Um, you know, I think that one of the things that would be beneficial is if we had kind of, and I know there there's the equity task force work. And so perhaps this is going on already. I'm not involved in the equity task force um, work. So, uh, so hopefully this is going on already, but you know, one of the things that, um, that the college did really effectively with guided pathways was kind of bring together voices from, you know, student affairs side of the house and um, academics and workforce. And I know with the academic master plan, some of this is going on as well. Um, but I think, you know, having very focused and intentional uh, discussions around those equity gaps that were published in that report um, and bringing together people from across the institution um, would be hugely beneficial. Um, because one of the things that I saw in that report um, is that, um, you know, that, that maybe there are disconnects between uh, some of the different sides of the house, you know, and maybe some of the work is siloed. But uh, just to give you an example, one of the equity gaps um, in that report was 
um, that uh, students of color, um, black and Latinx students in particular are overrepresented in um, certificate granting programs and programs that um, are, are end up in uh, lower wage um, jobs. And they are underrepresented in transfer programs. So to me, that bespeaks, you know, a need for a conversation between um, advising and perhaps counseling and, you know, academic and workforce, like get everybody into the same room and talk about, you know, what, where are these equity gaps coming from? Um, you know, are they guided by particular narratives? Um, are they guided by student decisions? Um, you know, in, how can we change this? How can we make sure that we get more students of color and particularly men of color um, in transfer oriented programs um, so that we can improve the economy of our communities? Um, another uh, aspect that has come up in the Becoming an Equity-Minded Instructor class is uh, because that class is specifically focused on serving men of color students. And it's a project that emerged out of ACC's uh, relationship with Project Males, um, and, uh, which is housed at the University of Texas at Austin. And, um, you know, a lot of times when we're in that course, when we're reflecting on, you know, how we serve men of color uh, students, particularly black men, a lot of times it comes up that, you know, um, faculty see very few black men in their courses. Why is that, you know? Like, do we ask this question as an institution about why black men in particular are so underrepresented in our programs um, and especially programs that, you know, could lead to higher wages? Um, so these are hard conversations to have, but they're absolutely necessary if we really do want to make change. Yeah. For those instructors who are listening to this for the first time and uh, are hearing about equity-minded instruction really for the first time, um, this can seem like sort of a, a daunting task um, to flip our entire mindset um, for the way that we teach uh, and the way that we interact with students. Um, what are some ways that instructors can revise their assignments or course activities or some small steps that, that instructors can make um, to start to bridge that gap to become more equity minded? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, because it is a mindset shift, um, it's hard to talk about kind of like tips and tricks, <laughs> you know, that can that can uh, make you more equity minded. Like what, what we talk about in the Becoming an Equity Minded Instructor course is that it's a journey, you know, and it's a journey that I'm still on. Certainly, like I don't purport to be any kind of expert on equity mindedness, but I mostly talk about, you know, obviously like synthesizing research and talking about what I do. Um, and I still have equity gaps, you know, in my, in my success rates in my courses as well. Um, so um, that said, I think that some, um, some steps that can be taken. So let me just back up to say that, you know, with the journey toward equity mindedness, I think it starts with a lot of reflection, honestly, on our own um, academic journeys and how we got to where we are, like what, what enabled us to be successful, uh, but also recognizing that what 
in what enabled us to be successful in terms of our learning style and how we responded to uh, specific kinds of teaching isn't going to work for everybody. Um, and so one of the first things that I would recommend is to uh, see, look at your data, see if you can um, look, uh, you know, get your success data disaggregate, ideally disaggregated by race and ethnic race, ethnicity and gender. Um, and first, first of all, identify where your, where your equity gaps actually are, you know, um, what students are being best served by your teaching and what students are struggling a little bit more. Once you have that, once you're empowered with that knowledge, then you can, then you can better start to tailor uh, or custom, not tailor or customize, but can better start to rethink uh, your assignments and curriculum and things like that. All of that said, um, so much of equity mindedness comes down to uh, building trust um, and building rapport and demonstrating authentic caring um, for students. Um, so, you know, a lot of times I think that when we, uh, you know, when we show students that like we care about their writing, we care about their success. Uh, I focus on writing because I teach writing, uh, but we, you know, we care about them turning in assignments. We care about them showing up to class and things like that. But, and so, you know, we care, we demonstrate care for those kinds of things because we know that um, those are the things that helped us to be successful. But if we do that, um, uh, you know, that level of care without also demonstrating authentic care for their home cultures, for their lives, um, for um, uh, their, um, you know, their experiences, for their goals, then, um, then students are savvy, you know, <laughs> they're going to know that there's this kind of like superficial level of caring. Um, and then there's a deeper kind of more authentic caring. Um, so what are some ways that we could do that? Um, building rapport with students early in the semester, um, getting to know their goals, and then looking at your curriculum and um, being transparent with students about the ways, the specific ways in which your course is going to help them meet their goals. Um, so, you know, looking at your student learning outcomes, looking at your assignments and directly and explicitly tying them back to students' stated educational and career goals. That's one thing. Um, uh, kind of taking a mentoring approach to students as a class, like mentoring the class as a whole. Um, uh, paying attention to, um, you know, make sure that you offer opportunities um, to student to not just to the top performing students, but to students, um, you know, who may be kind of average or or on the edge of um, passing. Um, what else? Let me see. Um, also, uh, oh, 
we know collaborative learning is a high impact practice that helps to meet the needs of students that come from more collectivist cultures. Um, and so building in time for collaborative learning um, and for um, communication. So uh, building literacy skills, regardless of the course, especially writing um, in math classes, um, building in times for either spoken or written communication of how a problem is solved, for instance. Um, but, you know, kind of really the way, the way I think about it is like, Instead of treating students as students, you know, who are supposed to kind of like receive or, you know, maybe passively, more or less passively receive knowledge and content from our courses, instead seeing, viewing students as apprentices in your discipline. And this is something that like nursing programs do really well. Um, and a lot of career and technical education programs do really well. And this is something that we need to continually work on on the academic side for sure. But so like for me, you know, seeing, seeing a student as an apprentice writer um, or seeing a student as an apprentice historian um, or seeing a student as an apprentice, you know, journalist or, you know, public speaker um, instead of seeing them as students, you know, without skills, right? So how can we kind of take more like a guild or an apprenticeship approach um, to our classrooms instead of kind of like the lecturer, um, you know, kind of uh, the lecturer versus the, you know, recipient of, of content um, kind of model. Um, those are a few things. I think also um, on the assessment side, um, you know, being very clear and transparent about how your assignments relate to student learning outcomes, uh, as well as inviting students to contribute to um, contribute to a kind of a collective or community understanding, classroom understanding of what the outcomes of a course should be. Um, you know what they what their expectations are to get out of it and kind of comparing and contrasting those to your expectations and kind of just having a conversation about um, the expectations of the class and what they're going to get out of it. And then also taking that next step of connecting that back to, okay, how is this going to help you on your pathway through your educational journey? How is this going to help you to transfer to university? How is this going to help you um, in your job? How is this going to help you be career ready? Um, and just honest, as, as often as possible, just being explicit about those connections um, and making that, that's how we make our courses relevant to students. And when we make our courses relevant to students, we have less uh, or fewer issues with, um, you know, like motivation and things like that. And some of those, some of those things that can be so demoralizing sometimes um, about teaching. And especially if we don't see those, you know, achievement gaps or equity gaps shrinking. Um, so I know it's kind of a lot kind of all over the place, but, um, I don't, I guess just to, to cap that off, I would say that I think that the, the early work is, is, is kind of, uh, reflection work, um, and thinking about, um, our social identities and our social positions and our teaching identities and our, you know, our, our roles as, um, teachers, as facilitators and how we, um, attend to those learning styles that may be different from our own. 
Well, that's certainly a lot to work with for those that um, are new to equity-minded instruction. So thank you very much uh, for those, um, those tips, if you will, um, or places to get started. Um, speaking of places to get started, if there's instructors who are uh, new uh, to equity-minded instruction um, and who want to learn more, um, where do where should they go? Where do they where can they get resources or more information about what it means to be an equity-minded instructor, um, especially as it relates to to ACC? Um. Well, I, shameless self-promotion, <laughs> you can take my faculty development class, uh, Becoming an Equity-Minded Instructor and Serving Men of Color Students. Um, there's also, um, I also would uh, recommend looking on the T TLED website for um, some of the equity fellowship offerings um, or some of the kind of the equity line of offerings, um, including the Discover Your Blind Spots uh, workshop. There's a follow-up one to it now. Um, there is, uh, there's so many, there's so much research on the topic, uh, for me, um, starting with, I'll just throw out a few names, uh, looking at, um, Laura Rendon, uh, R-E-N-D-O-I-D-O-N, um, and her work on validation theory, uh, would be a good place to get started. And then, um, also I mentioned before Tara Yasso, Y-O-S-S-O, her work on, uh, community cultural wealth, um, and then uh, also the work of Estella Ben-Simon and I'm trying to think what is, uh, I think it is, I'm trying to look up the name of her center in California. Here we go, the Q, Center for Urban Education at the University of Southern California. Um, so the Center for Urban Education, or they go by Q, um, they have tons of resources, um, including um, uh, some great uh, ideas for getting started on uh, double loop learning, um, also uh, data analysis and disaggregating da data and things like that. Um, also, the Office of Institutional Research and Analytics at ACC um, is a great place to, you can, um, for uh, tips access, you can request your, um, your student success data disaggregated by race, ethnicity, and gender, if you'd like. Um, and, um, you know, we, we also kind of do some work around uh, in the course and the Becoming an Equity-Minded Instructor course, we also do some work around um, data analysis and kind of um, how to make sense of um, the, that kind of success data and stuff like that. So, um, uh, I think those are some, those are some starting points. So definitely TLED, um, you know, uh, looking, talking to, uh, maybe your department chair or your supervisor about, um, the possibility of getting tips access, uh, through the OIRA, the Office of Institutional Research and Analytics. Um, and then, um, you know, maybe the Q, uh, the Center for Urban Education at USC um, with Estella Ben-Simon. Um, I think those would be some good starting points. And then, um, you know, we hope to, we are full, the Becoming an Equity-Minded Instructor course filled up pretty quickly this summer, but um, with the direction that it's taking and the overwhelming demand for the course, I, I have a sense that the offerings will be growing um, and continuing as we move forward. So definitely keep an eye out for that as well. Great. And we'll have um, a lot of the um, names and links that 
um, that you've uh, provided uh, or that you've mentioned on the blog post when this gets published as well. So uh, if anybody wasn't able to catch how to spell somebody's name or what the various centers are, uh, we'll have that list on the blog post as well. Uh, there's one actually, one link that you didn't mention that I do want to make sure our listeners know exists, uh, and that's austincc.edu slash equity focused which um, has a lot of uh, a lot of the resources you've already mentioned, but sort of aggregated all into one place. Awesome. Uh, so so um, all of the ACC specific things uh, you can find at austincc.edu slash equity focused. Um, Lydia, um, that really concludes the, you know, all the questions that, that I had at least prepared for today. It certainly um, uh, spurs a lot uh, a lot more questions, um, but unfortunately, we don't have time for to dig in uh, to to my own personal um, uh, curiosities. Um, but before I let you go, one thing that I do ask all of our interview all of our podcast guests um, is there anything giving you Riverbat pride this week? Uh, I know it's uh, only Tuesday, so you know not a lot has necessarily happened. But um, is there anything specifically that you're that you're grateful for um, within the ACC community, or anything giving you pride? Oh, that's a great question. You know, especially since we just came out of this big winter storm that knocked a lot of people out, students, faculty, staff, everybody um, um, kind of got people out of the loop and a little bit behind. Um, one of the things that has been so just uh, that I've been so grateful for uh, since we came back, which last week I just met with my uh, one my classes one time. And so I'm counting the end of last week as this week too. Um, it's just the incredible resilience um, of the students. And many of them saw, many of my students at least, um, even though some definitely, you know, have been continually struggling with, you know, power, internet access, water and things like that. Many um, expressed over, we have a group chat in one of my classes expressed, you know, like, oh gosh, we'll be so, we're so grateful to come back to class to be normal again. And just that idea of, and I was kind of like, wait, we're still in a pandemic. What? We're still not normal, <laughs> you know, but just this, just this sense of that, like um, being in class, even though it's over Zoom, um, but, you know, kind of seeing all the, seeing each other's faces um, and getting to, you know, share the experience of constructing knowledge together and making meaning of, of, this situation, making meaning of our worlds together has been incredible. Um, and the fact that they are so ready um, and, um, and eager even um, to, to see, really just to see their class, their ACC classes as a site of safety, as a site of normalcy, um, it really warmed my heart, so. Great, well, that's certainly something to be, uh, to be prideful for this week, so. Uh, Lydia, thank you very much for your time today. Um, it's been a lot of great uh, information, very eye-opening for me since I, um, you know, as a staff member, we don't really hear a whole lot about equity-minded instruction. So um, everything that you've uh, talked about today was uh, very interesting and very new to me. So I certainly, at least on a personal note, uh, definitely appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Great. Well, that wraps up another episode of Teaching and Learning Champions. Don't forget you can read episode transcripts on the TLED blog and find links to any resources we reference during the show. I also encourage you to subscribe to the ACC District Podcasts on any of your preferred podcast apps or listen to individual episodes on the TLED website. You can learn more about the Teaching and Learning Excellence Division and keep up with everything relevant to the faculty experience at ACC by subscribing to our weekly newsletter.
Simply text ACCTLED in all caps to 22828 to subscribe. And of course, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ACCTLED. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll chat next time on TLC at ACC. Thank you.